They simply traipse off along with Jesus. And the next thing they know, they're at a worship service in the seashore town of Capernaum where Jesus teaches and preaches and, you know, casts out some debilitating evil spirits or was it epilepsy or some other possession that devastated this person's life before Jesus brought healing. I don't know what it was, but everyone there was marveling at the authority that Jesus had. Uh, even though we're really still just getting started uh, in this year of focusing on the Gospel of Mark, which we turned the corner in uh, at the beginning of Advent, uh, we're still in the first chapter. We encounter several distinct and profoundly different voices already. Uh, there is the voice of the prophet crying out in the wilderness, uh, make way the paths of the Lord. There is the voice from heaven speaking at the baptism of Jesus. There is uh, the voice of Jesus himself uh, calling the disciples this morning, preaching and proclaiming. There is the voice of these unclean spirits in the worship service this morning. There's uh, a lot going on already in this first chapter. Still not all the way through this first chapter in Mark's Gospel. And, and Mark gives us a clue by continuing to use the word which will be sprinkled throughout this Gospel immediately. Immediately this, immediately that. We live in an age of immediacy. Uh, we want things to happen not just quickly, but instantaneously. And Katie was uh, using the remotes uh, for a little object lesson there. I mean, remember when you had to get up and turn the channel yourself? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, couldn't, we couldn't live in that world anymore. Um, I read an article last week that was saying there's, there's one particular sound that uh, kind of divides one generation from another. Uh, some have never heard it and maybe never will, and for others of us, it kind of triggers a little bit of anxiety. Uh, I think Nick's got it for us. Let's see if you recognize it. So raise your hand if you have no idea what that is. Just those, so just a couple of you. Uh, the rest of us remember that this is the sound of a dial-up modem. Uh, you sometimes had to fight with somebody who wanted to use the phone at the same time you wanted to get online because uh, that's how it accessed the Internet. Uh, this sound was uh, letting us know that we're connecting, hopefully, and things are not going to happen quickly, right? 
Uh, we will spend some time watching things like the graphic of the little hourglass that would slowly fill as uh, files downloaded or page, uh, web pages loaded. Uh, or the, if you were an early Mac adopter, there was the little circle of death that would spin, uh, waiting for all this stuff to happen. Um, we like things to happen immediately. Uh, today's gospel reading from Mark follows, uh, well, we, I, we combine them really. That we, the calling of the disciples, uh, those who were fishing, uh, was, was really last week's gospel. It was connected, it was part of the, part of the lectionary text uh, that the, the Old Testament text was the story of Jonah, and that's the direction uh, Pastor Natalia took us and, and considered that incredible story. Uh, so we didn't focus on this gospel story, but I wanted to connect it to today the, because the, the gospel of last week is clearly connected in Mark's tightly woven, fast-moving gospel where everything happens immediately. So there's also this fascinating juxtaposition uh, and discrepancy between the response of God's call by Jonah, uh, remember, um, last week, and, uh, and the response we get from these disciples uh, that are making a living by, by fishing uh, when Jesus invites them to follow. So Pastor Natalia helped us consider the often hilarious story of Jonah, uh, who wanted nothing to do with God's call to proclaim uh, God's word to the people of Nineveh. Jonah wanted God to torch the Ninevites. He didn't want to go and tell them they should get their act together so that God could spare them and show them grace and mercy. So Jonah tried to run in the opposite direction, and he ends up getting swallowed by some big fish or sea creature and, and you know, puked out on the shores of Nineveh. You know, he was trying to go this way, and God said, no, no, this is what I said I wanted you to do, and that's in the end what happened. Um, so we're, we're back by the sea again, uh, but it, the response to God's call in this story uh, that Rachel read for us from the very first chapter of Mark seems to present the, 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 the other end of the spectrum in terms of how people might respond to God's call in their lives. Jesus barely gets the invitation to follow out of his mouth, and these guys jump out of the boat, and they leave the family business, and they follow immediately. Immediately is the word that Mark uses. The invitation that Jesus extends to follow him seems to come completely out of the blue. These fishermen are on the shore, they're about the business, they're fixing their nets, and they're getting ready to head back out. It reminds me of a little brief stint I did of my own in commercial fishing when I uh, with a buddy of mine, decided at the, after we graduated from Gustavus, we were gonna, we'd heard that there, were, there was kind of a myth that you could make a ton of money in a hurry if you could get hired on by a commercial fisher person up in Alaska. Uh, and if not that, I mean, that was the top goal. If you didn't get that, then if you could just get put on the crew at a cannery or a fishery where the fish are processed, uh, sometimes they work you know, when the DNR is allowing everybody to fish, they'll work 12-hour shifts, and most, you know, after eight hours, it's all overtime. Sometimes they work 20-hour shifts. This is the way it used to be anyway. So, so my buddy Twan and I decided, yep, that's for us. We, uh, we went to a little used car lot, 
uh, just off of 169 uh, down near Gustavus. And there was this uh, beautiful old uh, Maverick, Ford Maverick. Uh, Mavericks were Fords, right? Yeah. Uh, $295. We'll take it. So surely this car will get us up the Alcan Highway all the way through British Columbia and into Alaska where we'll find our uh, pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. So the, the trunk had big gaping holes in it. And my dad took tin and fashioned it and riveted it to the outside of the body so that our packs wouldn't fall out on the Alcan on our way up there. And off we went. And we, we didn't know what we were doing really or where we were going. We started, we found through people helping us various canneries and there was no way to get hired on with a, a fishing crew. We finally did get hired at a cannery. So uh, there at the cannery, there are a variety of jobs. So, so we, we got hired on, there was a big meeting with the manager and all of us were called cannery rats. That's what you're called. We all lived in a, a, a sea of tents out in this gravel area off to the side of the, of, of the cannery. Uh, now your, your choices for jobs are um, the following. It's all terrible things done to salmon. You can be a, a header, uh, a slitter, a gutter, a scaler. You can be a glazer, a breaker, a packer, a strapper. These are all jobs, right? And Twan and I are sitting there listening to these jobs, trying to decide which one we should vie for. I mean, after all, this is what we're going to do all summer. Uh, and so I decided a breaker. I will be a breaker. You know, this was a job that did not involve having your, your, you know, being elbows deep in slimy salmon guts for the whole summer. So my breakers didn't get involved with the fish until after they were frozen. So they would, they would be headed, slit, gutted, glazed, and then laid on uh, big metal shelves that were wheeled into a blast freezer. And then when the shelves were pulled back out of the freezer, uh, you had to break the fish loose because, of course, they were stuck to those metal shelves. So I had a big iron paddle, and it was my job to break them free uh, from this frozen metal shelf. Then they're boxed. The boxes are strapped, packed on pallets, and put into a big storage freezer. So by the end of a 10-hour shift holding this big metal paddle at the end of the first day, my hands are bleeding and I'm realizing I've made a terrible mistake. <laughs> you know, I could have just sat there all day and slit the belly of salmon, you know. I mean, it's gross, but what I was doing was terrible. Uh, we were on a 20-minute break one day and sitting in a little break room, and the rumor reached us that there was a set netter, a fisherman, a commercial fishing operation that needed help. So we jumped in the Maverick, which almost always started, and, and we drove down to uh, the inlet, and we found the operation, and, and there they were mending the nets on the shoreline, and we asked, who's the boss? Who's the owner? It's that guy. He had rain gear on. He had a half cigar hanging out of his mouth. Looked like something out of a movie. And he told me, without hardly looking up, uh, you get in that boat. And he told my buddy, drive this pickup. They just loaded a big tote of salmon into it. Drive it over to the cannery. And, 
and drop it off. Fortunately, it wasn't the cannery that we had just left on our 20-minute break because that 20-minute break never ended. We never went back. And thus began my brief stint uh, as a uh, commercial fisherman in Alaska. And really, aside from it being kind of a fun experience and story, my only point in sharing this part of that story is that being a person who makes a living fishing in the sea is now and has always been an all-consuming reality. Fishing for a living is not something you do, it is something you are. But along comes Jesus and says to some fishermen, in the family business, their fathers are there with them, hey, follow me. And it's not even clear to us that these guys knew of Jesus, that they'd heard him before or seen him. But unlike Jonah, who ran in the opposite direction, Mark says that Simon and Andrew and then James and John all immediately left the boat and their father and the family business, and they followed Jesus. I mean, there's no Sunday school. There's no two years of confirmation. There's no new members orientation. They simply traipse off along with Jesus, and the next thing they know, they're at a worship service in the seashore town of Capernaum where Jesus teaches and preaches and, you know, casts out some debilitating evil spirits or was it epilepsy or some other possession that devastated this person's life before Jesus brought healing. I don't know what it was, but everyone there was marveling at the authority that Jesus had. I love these two stories, these call stories, and they were together on the same Sunday given to us by the lectionary, the story of Jonah on the one hand and Simon, Andrew, James, and John on the other. I, I love these stories because I can't boil them down for you. I can't give you the moral of the story and tell you that you should be more like Jonah or more like Simon, Andrew, James, and John. Jonah runs in the other direction, and yet God's will is done, grace is extended, repentance and healing and reconciliation prevail throughout Nineveh. The four fishermen barely let Jesus get the invite out of his mouth, and they leave the boat, and they're on their way to witness healing and reconciliation and grace. And I do think there is hope for all of us, then, in these stories. Because I think that you and I probably fit in there somewhere between these two extremes. Running away from God's call for our life, moving towards it, embracing it. And I think we should notice, I hope that we notice, 
that God is the one doing the choosing and the claiming and the inviting and the forgiving and the healing. Jonah wasn't out searching for God's call. And neither were Simon and Andrew and James and John. God met them where they were, how they were, whom they were. This is good news. That God is not waiting for you to measure up or be something you're not before God decides to include you and sweep you up into the great story of redemption and salvation. These stories underscore a basic truth for us to consider as we march off into this new year through the end of January. It has never been about having perfect knowledge or the right pedigree or nationality or worthiness. God's grace crosses all boundaries, whether we happen to like it or not. Jonah didn't like it one little bit. And the good news is for you and for me. It was always the only hope we've ever had. No matter how or why we got here. And people come for so many different reasons. As Jesus' reputation spread, people suffering from various diseases and ailments like the man in the worship service this morning, they came to Him. They were looking for healing. As word about his miracles spread, there were crowds of curiosity seekers. we got to see this for ourselves. They were looking to be enthralled, amazed, entertained. As word of his wisdom and authority spread, there were seekers like the rich young ruler who came looking for a way in. What must I do, good teacher? They were looking for answers. And as his fame and popularity increased, there were religious leaders who were threatened by his authority. And they were looking to cling to power and looking to cling to control. Whatever it is that we thought we were looking for, we too have been found. Jesus shows up where we are. And above all the voices clamoring for our attention, we hear His voice. I choose you. I claim you. I forgive you. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost. Now I'm found. I was blind. Now I see. So we have heard the word of truth, the gospel of our salvation, uh, yet again. Uh, and whether we are more like Jonah and we're maybe running in the opposite direction or we're just hopping out of the boat to follow Jesus, see where this leads us, we are reminded the point is that our place in God's heart, our place in God's kingdom, our eternal salvation is dependent not on our performance. Sometimes we're up, sometimes we're down. It is dependent on this gracious God who in Christ comes to get us. 
to find us on the shores where we're mending nets or in the ocean where we're trying to run in the other direction or at the office or in the classroom. This gracious God comes to get us and say to us again this morning, you are mine. You are my beloved in whom I am well pleased. And so we can take that out into the fog and share that good news with the rest of the world. We go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Thanks be to God.